Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Stone circles. Have you ever visited one? Have you ever stood in the middle of their majesty and their mystery? I've had the experience several times, and I think they have something to teach us about the moment we're in right now. Now, the oldest stone circles in the world are at a place called Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. They're only recently excavated. The oldest circle date to around 9,000 B.C. So roughly 12,000 years old. More than twice as old as the Egyptian pyramids. But there are many others. Even though the stone circles in the books and TV show Outlander are fictional, when the first settlers arrived in Scotland over 10,000 years ago, they began to erect incredible monuments, some of which still can be seen today. Stone circles can be found across Scotland. We're likely to be places of ceremony, worship, burial grounds, social gathering places. Why would... People take such an extraordinary amount of time and effort to establish these circles of stones. Now, the most famous of which is probably Stonehenge, uh, which some of you may have visited, may have seen. Um, One of the ones that I was most interested in when I spent some time in England was Avebury Circle, which is believed to be older than Stonehenge. Uh, the earliest structures at Avebury Circle date back to around 2850 BC, and the earliest structures at Stonehenge are roughly 3000 BCE, thousands of years. These nomadic hunter-gatherers of the megalithic age built with huge stones, these ingeniously designed stone circles. Um, such as those at England's famous uh, settings of Avebury Circle and Stonehenge. And they seem to function as celestial calendars. Now, we have calendars that basically give our lives some structure. But to me, there's an inner calendar we sometimes don't pay attention to. What is going on inside and the feelings we have inside? And what can stone teach us about that? I mean, after all, stone seems to be something permanent, uh, unfeeling, unable to um, communicate, really. I remember when my dad's stone first went up at his graveside. And it had his name across it and a little poetic saying that my mother had placed and a little bit about his history in Hebrew as well as in English. And I remember when my kids were younger and went there and couldn't understand the stone there. They said, this doesn't feel like Papa. 
it was after all a, just a giant stone sticking up. It was a very nice shape and granite and so forth and polished and whatever with a rough hewn kind of um, edges to it. But then something changed a little bit about that. They would come there and they would fly kites, uh, my youngest and uh, and my older kids, they would come and stand there and say Kaddish with me and remember and tell stories. And the stone began to reflect back, as one of my daughters told me, a permanence, like Papa isn't going anywhere, which I found fascinating. Now these stone circles, was that ancient man and woman's understanding a way of saying we're we're here, we're not going anywhere, we're placing our mark? Was it a way of performing some ritual that gave meaning to their existence that was lined up with the with the sun? In 1821, William Wordsworth, the poet, had this unexpected encounter while walking south from Carlisle. He came upon a setting of stones known as Long Meg and Her Daughters. And this was the traditional name for an ancient stone circle close to the River Eden. Largest stone circle in the north of England with more than 50 stones. It's one of a huge sandstone monolith that is slightly separated from the circle of what are known as Her Daughters. It dates from the Bronze Age. Wordsworth wrote, My road brought me suddenly and unexpectedly upon that ancient monument called by the country people Long Meg and her daughters. Everyone has heard of it, and so had I from very early childhood, but had never seen it before. Next to Stonehenge, it is beyond dispute the most noble relic of the kind that this or probably any other country contains. And surprised by this massive group of stones looming out of a farmer's field, Wordsworth set his feelings to a sonnet, in a sonnet, known as the Monument. Wordsworth wrote, A weight of awe, not easy to be borne, fell suddenly upon my spirit, cast from the dread bosom of the unknown past, when first I saw that family forlorn. Speak thou, whose massy strength and stature scorn the power of years preeminent and placed apart to overlook the circle vast. Speak, giant mother. Tell it to the morn while she dispels the cumbrous shades of night. Let the moon hear, emerging from a cloud, at whose behest uprose on British ground that sisterhood in hieroglyphic round foreshadowing Some have deemed the infinite, the inviolable God that tames the proud. This is Wordsworth's look at Long Meg and her daughters. Just a sense of awe, a sense of stature. He asks the giant stone, the giant mother, 
speak to us to the morn, to the morning, let the moon hear. Who, who set you up? Was it God? Who could have done such a thing? And for Wordsworth, just remarkable that human beings could accomplish such things. To what end, we may never know exactly. There are some of you listening to this now who have studied this perhaps or know something about it, know that it was a ritual or it was religious or it had to do with the views of the sun and it was aligned with certain you know times of the year. Um, but my question is, what can we learn from it today? Well, I think... Part of it is the feeling that I get from the stones. Now, I have written, as some of you know, uh, as an artist in in Ireland, I have been an artist in residence in several places, and one of them is Anamkara, which is on the Barra Peninsula, which is on the west, southwest side of um, Ireland. Uh, Imagine going to Cork, and then driving on from there west. And Cork will take you out into a peninsula uh, called the Barra Peninsula. And um, it's below the peninsula that holds the Ring of Kerry. And there I came upon a group of stones uh, called Derina Taggart. It's a stone circle with a diameter of roughly 8.5 meters. Of an original 15 stones, there are eight that remain. It's like a stump and a number of fallen half-buried stones are also likely to belong to the circle. And of the stones that still stand, the portal stone is the tallest and the axle stone, which sits opposite the portal, is wide, uh, but not, not too high. It gives the sort of a tooth-like appearance to this circle. And yet it lies on a plateau looking out towards Bear Island over Bantry Bay, about five minutes removed from the fishing port of Castleton Bear, where I've spent some time. And the Kaha Mountains are offering a dramatic backdrop to the north and the waters of Bantry Bay visible to the south. And it is just a gentle sight. Their visitors will drift in with the wind, And they'll sit amongst the stones for a little bit. They'll explore and whisper and depart with swiftness. And others will be inclined to loiter, spend extended periods of solitude, during which the stones can be enjoyed with quiet reflection. What did the stones say? They said to me something that my child would later remind me of. There is a permanence. There is a memory that will not go away of those of us who once lived here. Just as there is a permanence to those of us who have family members or dear friends who have departed earthly existence, who have died, and yet whose presence we feel in our hearts so very deeply. I think of that permanence.
as something that I can hold on to. And just as the stone circles often are set up, at least as some scientists believe, to I'll be aligned with the sun as it comes at different moments of the day or in months or seasons of the year, so too do the stones, be they at a graveside, be the in stone circles around the world, be they imaginary in our own hearts, circles of permanence that remind us that some things are always here and that sort of thing adds to the permanence that we hold on that anchor us in moments of great challenge. You know, these stone circles were often the haunt of fairies, people said. Sometimes they say they were, people were turned to stone for dancing on the Sabbath. There are all kinds of funny things said about the burial mounds were entrances to the other world or part of a fairy kingdom. But I think they have something to teach us that isn't such so made of pixie dust as it is of love. And so I share a poem with you by David White about stone, a stone he visited in Ireland. He says, the face in the stone is a mirror looking into you. You have gazed into the moving waters. You have seen the slow light in the sky above Loch Aina. Beneath you, streams have flowed, and rivers of earth have moved beneath your feet. But you have never looked into the immovability of stone like this, the way it holds you, gives you not a way forward, but a doorway in, staunches your need to leave, becomes faithful by going nowhere, something that wants you to stay here and look back, be weathered by what comes to you, like the way you too have traveled from so far away to be here, once reluctant and now as solid and as here and as willing to be touched as everything you have found. This face in the stone is a mirror looking into you, he says. He says that the stone itself is a doorway in, staunching our need to leave, become faithful by going nowhere, something that wants you to stay here and look back and be weathered by what comes to you. Isn't that our lives? To be weathered by them, and yet to remain faithful, to know what matters. Like the way he says you two have traveled from so far away to be here, once reluctant, now is solid and is here and is willing to be touched as everything you have found. I say, I hope this week you are willing to be touched and that you can see the beauty and permanence of the mirror of the stones. May we be blessed by them. I'm Jan Goldstein. Until next week, this is all that matters.